Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. Uh, I am talking with Jacob Valk. Uh, Jacob Valk uh, teamed together with John Michael Bout, and they created a, a documentary called Into the Light. And this documentary uh, is an excellent presentation on our uh, collective battle with pornography, the temptations that uh, many of us have struggled with and do struggle with today, and of course, the uh, this social contagion we have uh, with the proliferation of social media. Uh, we have such access points. We have more access points to pornography than ever in any of our lives. And of course, that creates all sorts of problems. But the good news is uh, there are a lot of men and women out there who love God and they want to do something about it. And Jacob Valk and John Michael Bout. Uh, they have produced this documentary, which I have seen. I've taken copious notes, and we have gotten together, and uh, we're going to talk about it today. And so uh, John Michael's not able to be with us, but Jacob Valk is. By the way, this is episode 479, and so if you want to get links to uh, the documentary, if you want to see it, if you want more information about them, all you have to do is go to Life Over Coffee. Dot com. That's our street address. And as you come into our coffee shop, you can just type in episode 479, go to the podcast section, the listen, the listen section uh, under the uh, in the navigation bar, and you'll be able to find episode 479. So with that said, uh, here is Jacob Vaughn. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. We're putting it in a podcast format and video so people can listen or watch uh, as they wish. Jacob, thank you for being here. Brother, I'm really, really excited to to talk with you. And I'm, uh, I'm super grateful for your ministry too. You guys, we're talking a little bit before this and you guys have a lot going on it's it's uh it's quite cool quite cool yeah god's been very kind to us and we're we're, we're so thankful to be able to do i'm basically what you're doing in a, con a conceptual way uh, mm. we're spreading the practical message of christ uh to whosoever will and so that is quite the privilege now as i was looking through some of your work are you canadian yes sir where, yeah, where are I, you right now so right now i'm in uh a farmhouse in Southern Ontario, kind of, um, it's in the Niagara region, kind of across from Toronto or Toronto, if you're a local. And, uh, but I, I go to a seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. So I bounce between here and the States pretty frequently. Oh, so, uh, okay. So how often are you in Louisville? Uh, about half the year or a little more. So I'll be, I'm actually on Monday. Um, I don't know when this is going to air, but from Monday, from where we're recording, I'm going to be headed down there for to start my next semester. So I'm really, really excited about that. Okay, so you'll be there a whole semester, and then, and, yep. and then you go back home to uh, Toronto or Toronto. You got it. Say? Yeah. So, so basically, if you're if you're from Canada, um, you'll call it Toronto. You just completely abandon that last T, and then uh, if you're from anywhere else in the world, it's Toronto. Oh, that's excellent. So, so you, you would fit into the South because uh, we drop a lot of things in our yeah. language. And uh, yeah, when I first went to to Louisville, I immediately got people being like, "Nah, nah, it's it's Louisville." Nah, nah. And I was it's like, Louisville. "All right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Louisville." But so you would be able to adapt quite easily. All right, so uh, when you come down, um, I think it's the St. Lawrence River. 
the the Thousand Islands is that that correct? Uh, you f- you're familiar with that, yep. right? Yep. All right. Yep. So, what's up with all of them houses that are just sitting out there in the middle of that um, r- river slash lake? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I could definitely I could definitely take a house in the middle of a river. I think I, I think that'd be a decent life. So yeah, they it, probably I have mean, the same idea. Yeah, it's worth Googling. Uh, we were coming down from Montreal to uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. try to say that correctly. And uh, <laughs> we were looking over it. It's like, what is that? And and I'm talking about houses that are on a rock that is a little bit bigger, a little, little bit bigger than the house. I mean, some of them. Uh, and it's just really phenomenal just sitting out in the middle of this humongous river. Uh, mm. It was just completely odd. I had a lot of questions Uh I have, and I won't ask them here, but it's like, what, what is happening here? But there was something about that that was quite intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we we discussed it very briefly as to whether we want one or not, but I'm sure it's outside of our price range. But uh, it's a unique thing. I've never seen that before in my life. So many houses as you're moving down the river, uh, just sitting out on these random little yeah. islands, so to yeah. speak. <clears throat> all yeah, all got, right. So I, go ahead. Well, I have a few, um, one of the big things, and this is true for Michigan as well, but as you go farther up north from where we are, there's like millions of lakes, just lakes dotted, like the whole area of like Algonquin area is just porous with lakes. So it's really common to have um, either if you, you know, if if God's blessed you to, to buy a little cottage, like three or four hours up north, or you can buy an island. So, and so it's pretty, you know, I know a few people who have cottages on little islands inside lakes, which just makes it really fun. You got to jump in a boat to get out there. But yeah, it's kind of a twist on uh, Meditation 17 from John Dunn. No man is an island, but I think every man needs an island. And uh, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind one. All right. So we're going to be in uh, Calgary, which is, I know, uh, farther yeah. west than where you are, but we're going to be uh, in Calgary uh in september and that would be 2023 uh doing a conference up there i just want to throw that out there we have been to red deer as well doing a conference okay. which is which is also in alberta mm-hmm. uh, but it is uh yeah this is drop dead gorgeous country uh no doubt um except mm-hmm. except it's cold and so this yep. this, southern, this southern boy doesn't take too well to uh those those cold climates yeah and uh i mean <clears throat> Alberta is, uh, Alberta is like, at least for te- with the people, they're like the, the Texas of Canada. Um, yeah, yeah. and I, and I mean that with nothing but compliments. So it's, there's a, there's a lot of great people out there. Yeah. The Calgary stampede, et cetera. Yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. a beautiful country. It's great people. We're looking forward to going back. All right. So we have a documentary here into the light. Uh, so first of all, I, I want to get into it, but who mm-hmm. are you? And uh, just tell me a little bit, you know, about your story. Uh, there has to be a history that 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 led up. So, yes, just sir. Wherever you want to dip in on God's story for you, um, yeah. Prior to, yeah. So, so basically, I mean, when I'm when I'm talking, I'll use we a lot. So, me and my film partner John Michael, who who couldn't be here, um, right. our stories are similar. Our, our our experiences are similar. So, and and he's like the other half of my brain. So, everything we do, we we have the a really cool opportunity to work together on it. Um, so we grew up in in kind of here in Niagara in the Dutch Reformed uh, churches. So um, and I'm super super grateful for that for that upbringing. And we had both Joe Michael and I had parents who loved Jesus, taught us about about the faith from a very young age. And um, 
And so for Joe Michael's side of the story, I mean, he got, he got hooked on pornography from very young, even though he, he had parents who were to warn him about the danger. He still, you know, he, he managed to find it as is very common with a lot of, um, with most of my peers. Um, and so, and then he has a, a testimony of, of God freeing him from that and just becoming really passionate about working with guys in accountability groups. And so for him, like really truly following Christ came um, as, you know, through the Holy Spirit, um, kicking this addiction to pornography. For me, I had the incredible privilege of of my my mom just warned me a lot, told me in age appropriate categories what it was, and I never got hooked on pornography proper. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. That's so it's so rare for for almost anyone my age. But I was completely addicted to to masturbation, and so I I you know I flipped through my Bible, didn't see the word in there. And then just kind of, you know, um, buried my conscience basically for most of my teenage years. And so it took, um, it took some really good friends speaking into my life. It took a couple conferences, Holy Spirit working in me to convict me that this, you know, uh, Matthew five, this, this pattern of lust was just sinful. And I needed to, to put that to death. And by the grace of God, it, it took some time, but, um, but I did. And I'm so, I'm so uh which came first the uh, the chicken or the egg so you you got the bible you got conferences and you got friends hmm. but there has to be a starting point and so what was what was the thing that 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 set forward motion as far as working through it you just did you just step up and say hey i struggle with this and that's where the friends came in or hmm. was hmm. it going to a conference or was it reading the bible yeah so i i it started for me always having an uneasy conscience, right? Okay. Not really sure, like, you know, and and, and feeling like just, just unsure. And so it's interesting. So I, I grew up, I grew up in a very, um, very Calvinistic, very conservative churches whom I love dearly. And uh, so for us, you know, so well, the, the context of that is I went to a conference um, up, okay. up north with a Power to Change, which is a, a campus group here. And, you know, one of the speakers said, he kind of looked out at the crowd and he said, many of you, there's one sin, just one sin. And you can think of it right now, that one sin. And normally that kind of language, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little bit like, mm, be careful. Maybe there isn't one sin. But for me, it was like, ooh, yeah, there's that one thing that I just refuse. Now, God knows there was a lot more than that one thing sure. that I would, I would figure out over the next few years. There's a whole bunch of idols buried deep in there but that was the one thing that i was like immediately hit with yeah i've been ignoring i've been pushing aside this and i need to start working on it and what i should have done really was go into the context of community and start asking people and like walk getting brothers and brothers in christ to walk alongside me to start you know do regular accountability but i didn't have those structures then and so more what it was was close friends of mine who just would talk about walking in integrity and just people who loved Jesus put that into action and their influence for worked on me for the better part of a year. And then I, later on, I started having those more uh, intentional relationships, discipleship, accountability structures, but it, it was more a private battle, um, which worked praise God for that, but that's not the best way to do it. Fighting sin is better done in community with patterns of confession Things like that. So that's does, does that kind of make sense? 
Yeah, it is. And, uh, and, and that's the way it works. I think for, for most all of us is that there is a linkage there. And so as I'm listening to your story, I mean, so it began with the, with the conscience, uh, your, your conscience was working on you. And of course, then you're talking about Matthew five, um, the canon, uh, if mm. I can stay with my C's and so your yeah. conscience and, and the canon were working together. And so that was a good, uh, formation, <laughs> Uh, that did not leave you because you did have the option at that point, uh, as you said earlier, to bury your conscience. And and mm-hmm. once you start justifying your actions or rationalizing what you're doing away, there'll be a layering effect, or as you know, over your conscience, which uh, will make the the uh, canon become uh, more and more irrelevant. Uh, yep. But you you stayed in tune with your conscience as it was being informed by the canon, God's word. And then you went to a conference uh, and then the God uh, just right there, you know, in that moment was highlighting that, Hey, you need to deal with this. And and mm-hmm. then uh, following that linkage, you, you began to look for community. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there is a C and that happens. Um, I, th- I think that, that, that is the providential linkage in all of our lives, whether it's mm-hmm. exactly that way or not. Uh, but the key is, is that you didn't try to um, manhandle or in a self-reliant way, try to alter your conscience. You kept it right in tune with the canon. And so God in his mercy to you led you to a conference, which led you to a community. And then all of those things working together, um, you know, helped you to be free. So how did you, uh, and so you, well, you knew uh, John Michael. And so I, where did he come into this as far as having this type of transparent conversation? Mm. So uh, you, I think many of us can point to kind of archetypal years in our life, like the year that everything changed or, or a season that everything changed. And so for both of us, it was 20, 2018 was a year okay. um, both of us went through some some kind of nasty breakups. And so God was using that pain as a, as a clarifier, kind of seeing areas of sin and brokenness and foolishness in our lives. And we, we had known each other. We've been friends forever, but not the kind of depth of friendship that two, you know, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ can have when you're really looking eye to eye with each other and talking about your sin and, and confessing it before to each other and before God. And so that's kind of when, so he was working out of, in the process of breaking free from a proper porn addiction. And I was in the process of really putting this sin to death. And, and that's when we kind of connected and really started working through like, Hey, cause it it was this, but it was also like, man, I I got some idolatry in my life um, around my career and him being like, I, I, you know, not sure where we were going, what we were doing. So trying to figure out what it meant to actually like walk the walk. Um, what it meant to actually read our Bibles properly. Cause you know, at that point I, I really, I knew, I knew some pretty good theology, but I wasn't doing personal devotions, like walking in communion with Christ in any meaningful way at that time. And so just two younger guys kind of, I mean, I'm not that old now, but 2018 was, was five years ago, really kind of figuring, starting to figure life out together a little bit and what it meant to actually, you know, put away childish things and, and walk in maturity. Uh, so what's the icebreaker? Uh, that's just not something that you say to someone. I struggle with masturbation or I watch uh, porn. It, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a gentleman. Mm-hmm. It was some 30, 35 years ago, and it was inside of a, a church building. 
he was a little bit younger than me and uh, he was asking and he said, uh, Hey, uh, Rick, um, mm, uh, Rick, do you mm. ever, um, you know, like, um, do you, uh, and he went on like that for about 45 seconds. And I said, are you talking about lust? And when I said it, I mean, it was like, he just exhaled mm. and it's like, yes, he couldn't say the word. There's such an embarrassment effect and we all get it. We understand why uh, we struggle with shame and we do have an internal morality and you know, even the unbeliever, if they haven't hardened their hearts, they have a, a conscience that accuses or excuses them. But mm -hmm. it's a hard conversation to step into. And, and so now you had a relationship with John Michael, as you said, a lifelong friend. So mm. th that does create some courage and uh, willingness to be vulnerable. But but how did you initiate that conversation or he or him with you? That's such a good question. Um... I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of rewind the clock a little bit, you know, because uh, because of this this ministry we have the documentary. I've said the words masturbation and pornography tens of thousands of times. I right. those right. words are you know parlance normative, and so I think it was I think really what it was was just being honest about the fact that both of us were pretty messed up, like brokenhearted. You know what I mean? So we, you know, with these, with, and, and when you're young, I mean, these things are, are absolute tragedies. And, and so we, you know, we were, we were, we both were kind of freshly uh, broken up and then just talking, being like, Hey man, I'm really hurting. And, and I'm confused. And I feel, you know, I thought I had purpose and, and meaning and now I don't. And, and then starting those kind of bigger life categories. And once you start having those conversations and then trusting each other, once I've said, right. Hey, I'm not doing well, actually, like, you know, if I look like I am, it's a bit of a facade. And then once you start getting that vulnerability, then you can start kind of painting some details on what that not doing well looks like. And I think it it was probably Jamichael at one point being like, dude, I've I've been watching porn for a long time. And me being like, yeah, man. Like, and then at that point, we like, you know, every single person my age, none of us are shocked. Like not even the slightest. The idea that the idea that up here would tell me, hey, I've been struggling with pornography, I go, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. So let's let's talk about that. Um, so I think it would probably be something like that. Probably starting with more general, easier types of vulnerability, and then adding specifics the more you kind of begin to trust someone. Right, and I think that's the key idea: is trust. Or if you go mm -hmm. one step back, uh, having that relationship with someone, and, and so mm -hmm. having a friendship with someone that is extended over a period. And then of course, built on that relationship, you have trust. Mm. And now once the trust is established on that relationship, you can start enter into entering into these more transformative conversations. And, and I think there's also a warning here as well, is, is that the tendency with pornography is to isolate and to, you know, take one step backwards uh, and, and to put on our fig leaves or another layer of fig leaves so that we can separate from community so that we can do what mm, we do. Mm -hmm. And so that should be the warning that we want to establish these relationships. And there's something else that you're talking about here. Uh, you, you, I think you said parlance normative. 
uh, I'm going to um, use that. And as often as I can remember, I will say that I got it from you, but most times I want, I will just own it myself. Uh, but there is a, uh, and, and I'm talking about normative from two different perspectives. One is, is it's just assumed, mm. not a, not a cynical assuming, but a, a discerning assuming that this is a common to man problem. And I, I think with that, we should be more, not necessarily comfortable as in it's okay, but comfortable uh, in our identity in Christ that it's okay to have these conversations, mm. but it's not parlance normative um, in our speech, but it is in our, you know, normal disposition mm. and, you know, our, our common temptations. The, the other aspect of parlance normative I was thinking about, uh, it may be something for you to consider as you continue to go down this road, uh, because it reminded me that when you're in the biblical counseling world, as I am, uh, you hear language that is not normal Christian speak. Uh, I say that I live on the underbelly of Christianity, that dark place where good Christian people don't go. And I say that very positively because it's a privilege to be able to deal with these issues, to serve the mm -hmm. body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But it is a dark place, and there's things that you don't normally hear on Sunday morning in your church meetings. And I have to guard myself to make sure, because I speak two languages, uh, this Brother, world man. that I live in, and then there's the Christian language. And when you said masturbation a while ago, uh, that's what went off in my mind. I have no problem with the communication mm -hmm. of that word, but also understand there's two, there's a stratification here. And for some people, it's like, wow, did he say that? Like, yeah, you know, I can't believe he, he said that. And so, I, I try to be aware of my audience because using your language again, parlance normative, it's not parlance normative for a lot of people, or at least they're not comfortable talking about it. So somehow mm -hmm. we have to navigate over that hurdle. And so without being crass or being crude, which you're not at all, we just need to step up to where we are in reality, not where we prefer to be or you know you know whatever uh and so so that is a problem to have those conversations but anyway you stepped into it with michael mm. you guys uh stated the obvious um you took off a couple of fig leaves all right so from that point forward obviously you're having redemptive conversations but where did this idea for the documentary come in totally totally uh so we so at that point I was like, we were both really rediscovering a love for the Bible, uh, for the person and work of Jesus. Um, and so we're like, you know what, let's let's dedicate our lives to this. Let's go to seminary um, and uh, get an MDiv. Because at that point, that was kind of the, the in the context I grew up in, if you wanted to do something with the gospel, you got an MDiv. That's kind of your your thing. And I'm I'm grateful for, for that direction. But um, so for me, it started it was a long process, but eventually I, I ended up at Southern, uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Louisville, Kentucky. And um, during my first year there, I got a chance to get coffee with a man named Tim Challies. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. So yep, he's a, a fe fellow Canadian, a fellow Canadian. So he was down there, we got coffee. And, um, and so I was asking him about his book, Sexual Detox. 
uh, which is a great, just great little book on freedom from pornography. And Tim, Tim has a great sense of humor. He's like, eh, the book's fine. There are, there are better books. And, and then he kind of stopped and he said, you know, it's interesting to me. We have this video problem of pornography. And in answer, we typically write books. Is there space for a counseling, a biblical counseling oriented video resource to tackle this problem? And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Now, Tim had no idea, and I didn't mention this, that my vocational background, uh, my history had been in film, in advertising, film, marketing. And so Joe Michael and I had made a previous documentary, which is a whole whole other story. And so, and I, I, I basically left that co- that time of coffee with him going, that's so interesting. So I called Joe Michael and I said, bro, we both have a summer coming up where we're not sure what we're doing. We're both passionate about this issue of pornography. We have a background in film. What would it look like to reach out to some of the authors that had meant so much to us of like, you know, learning about this issue and ask if they would become part of this like dream team that would in a counseling oriented way, walk through the problem of from bondage and sin to freedom in Christ. And that was in late 2021. And that kicked off a year and a half of us of filming of, of like writing, scripting this thing out, writing it properly. Um, as a counselor, you'll, you know, the, some of the problems of communication. So there was a lot we had to leave on the cutting floor, really narrow down our vision of what this documentary should be. Um, reaching out to all these, to to Deepak, to Garrett, to Ellen, to all these, uh, to Heath Lambert of all people, which the fact that we got to film with him is like, I'm never not excited about that. And so, yeah, we, we, we uh, filmed it through 2022. Um, one of our convictions was we wanted to offer it as a free resource. And so we crowdfunded it in, in 2022. Uh, we raised $85,000 over the course of a summer. Um, and then earlier this year, we we premiered the documentary. So Into the Light, it's a teaching documentary that walks through that process of change. Bondage and sin to freedom in Christ. So it's a resource for the church, for strugglers. And it's it's free on our website, intothelightdocumentary.com. And um, yeah, it's been, we can talk, you know, there's a bunch of probably a million questions inside there, but it's been received very well. And I'm I'm very, very grateful for that over the last few months. And okay. then, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. yeah, yeah, no, all that, all this, and there's all that is we, we basically launched our ministry into the light ministries from that and our desire to keep producing resources for the church. And we have parenting resources kind of next, next in our sites, but I'm, I'm sure you got some, some thoughts. Yeah, I do. I want to p- pin that for a second, but I, I need mm-hmm. to back up the tape for one thing. Cause I, I Definitely. forgot to get, I forgot to give all props to, uh, Herman Bovink, uh, as you were talking about Dutch reform and I didn't want to pass by without, uh, giving Absolutely. Be not, not, Herman. not, uh, giving kudos to Herman Bovink would be criminal. So we should do our justice. Yes. And so I, I just wanted to s- salute Herman Bovink, but I also, uh, with that, you said Dutch reform and, mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hearing a little bit, maybe, or, or I'm reading into it, uh, uh, legalism or conservatism. Uh, is that true or or how or did uh, your religious upbringing on the negative side, if if there mm-hmm. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that influence you uh, adversely or did it? Um, so, yeah. 
Dutch Reformed, and and what I mean by that is, you know, um, cl- classically, you know, from from Calvin, really Calvinistic, three forms of right. unity, Heidelberg Catechism, all all the good stuff. Um, right. I don't really identify with those circles as much these days, purely because I'm Baptist, so I'm Southern Baptist in Baptist. But I come back here, I'm right back in my home church in Canada. I love these people. They're very, very conservative theologically, right. which is fantastic, right. and culturally, which um, sometimes has its hurdles. But I think those hurdles were more, they were very influential for me trying to figure out who I was um, as a young, when I was like six, you know, 16, 17, 18, that kind of area. And so I was a bit more of a punk. Also, as, as a creative, as a storyteller, my community, that community didn't really have a place for someone like me. <laughs> However, you know, taking a little bit of time thinking about it, growing a little bit, realizing that maybe, you know, exclusive psalmody and organ only is not actually the end of the world. And then coming back into my church and really trying to invest in the people there. And then wonder of all wonders, realizing that there are some incredibly godly, thoughtful, interesting men 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 and women um but specifically men like in in the elders so like kind of actually starting to invest and and joining bible studies just meeting some of the most wonderful people in there and realizing oh shocker they actually do have some interesting opinions that i would have never known except i didn't ask and then you kind of go you know what was who had the problem here was it me or was it you know the church and as as is often true when when you start investing in the local church, you realize there's great people here and I'm just as flawed as whatever structure I might be annoyed about at, at whatever moment. So I don't know if that gives you the answer. Um, there's but still it, some things it, that it, would. Yeah, it does. I have a couple other questions about yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. it looks like you've, you've completed the circle though. Um, so at what point did you hit omniscience? Because obviously you're past omniscience now and I mean, you crested the peak and now you're heading into the valley of ignorance. And and, oh, and honestly, uh, that is a blessed experience because knowing everything has its challenges. Uh, but once you crest that peak of omniscience and then start recognizing that you don't know everything, there is a release, there is a blessedness there. And so obviously, based on what you've said, you have already crested the uh, the, the peak of omniscience. And so one, at what point did you hit omniscience? And we'll just rejoice in the fact that you have crested it. That's, you know, that's a problem with omniscience is I don't have the rest of God's attributes. And so once you know everything, but you're not, you don't have a Sadie, you don't have all the rest of them. It's, it's, my, it's mildly stressful to be at that place. Hey, eh? correct. Um, correct. Um, it, it was, well, it, you know, I, I had, I had my opinions and some of them were, were right as far as I'm concerned. Sure, but when you realize you when you realize, I think it's a devaluing of some opinions in a, in a degree. It's like, regardless of how right or wrong, it's like, well, do you have integrity? And then you go, well, well, no. And then you start hanging out with some older, wiser saints, and you realize, oh my word, you are so committed to loving your wife. You are so committed right. to serving the church you are so committed to your own walk uh, in humility and then you just my admiration for these and i say men only because that's kind of the just spending more time in men's bible studies is just the the area that i got to know the church better and so my, my respect just started ratcheting up and then 
and then you realize, I mean, yeah, even if I think my my particular hot take on worship still remains correct, it's so irrelevant. And then and then and then also then I started really around that time reading properly. And there's nothing like there's nothing that will give you a, a faster humble pie in the face than cracking open a few like really, really um just brilliant books and opening your categories and realizing you're an idiot. And so, yeah. So <laughs> welcome, welcome, to, welcome to the team. And we have exactly. now made it, we've now made it back to Bovink. And uh, as exactly. I said, but the, the other aspect of that is in a conservative culture, uh, you're now Baptist now, which, mm-hmm. which is, that's which my stock. That's and my not stock. much, not much less conservative though. The Southern, ba- the Southern Baptist convention. And I say that I say conservative. We, we, we should probably tease that word out a little bit because I, I am, once you go to seminary and you learn about proper German slimacker, higher criticism, liberalism, I'm, I don't want any of that. So I say conservative with all love and warmth because there's, depending on what we're using the term, I'm happily at home there. You know what I mean? And I assume yeah, you are yeah. as well, right? Yeah. And, and uh, but th- th- there's a dark side to whichever slice of whichever mm-hmm. demo we are, we are part of, whether it's Dutch reform or Baptist or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I would not be a Baptist any longer as far as that title is concerned. Right. But I, I have made that circle to where I have, I have nothing critical to say uh, because I have crested the hill of omniscience and, come to the point to where I realize I don't I don't know as much as I thought that I knew. And so now I have deep affection for my Baptist friends. Uh, I don't necessarily hold to some of the conservatism, uh, mm-hmm. but I have much appreciation. And 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 the truth is we had a blast uh, in all of our legalism and and all of our I mean we just had fun. But one of the things that I saw with them, and it's exactly what you said, my Baptist bros, they loved God. I mean, mm. the people that I hung with, they loved God. I mean, it's okay for a woman to wear slacks and it's okay to have drums in your church meeting from my perspective, um, but not from theirs. But hey, that's fine. Uh, I know that they yeah. love God. Yeah. But but the point that I really wanted to uh, speak to is that if we are in a conservative culture, there can be a tendency to, to, to of a growing dichotomy to where um, there can be an inhibition from being honest about what is mm. going on, mm. uh, because there, there can be an a, ascetic practices, whether it's not said aloud or not, but it's implied is it's the air that we breathe. And there can be a tendency to hide the things that we know that are wrong with us because in in some of these cultures, I'm not saying yours at all, but I know in some of these cultures, there can be that inhibition from vulnerability, Mm -hmm. weakness, being Mm -hmm. honest, being transparent, because we we see the value of of proper asceticism. We see the value of proper disciplines. We see the value of of John Wesley's Holy Club or whatever. Uh, But if we're not careful, uh, we can create a projection of ourselves uh, that's not really of who we are, and there has to be a there has to be an environment of grace within all of our religious 
Mm. bibliocentric religious cultures, there has to be an environment of grace that is conducive for us to step into that and say, hey, I am struggling. But sometimes in conservative cultures, uh, that can be lacking. And that was the point that I wanted to draw out. Totally. Yeah. And, and I've, I've seen it and I, I've experienced it for sure. And, you know, it's, 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 it's always trying to find the balance, right? Because right, right. there's some, there's, I've been in some contexts where, yes, of course we all struggle and there's nothing but grace. And, 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 and which right. is all, as I say, those words, those are true, but true. it goes so far where sometimes it's like, Hey, Hey, you serve a Holy God that, you know, your, your sin, your sin is what put Jesus on the cross. So let's take this seriously. And then you go to another culture where it's like it's it is thus saith the Lord with a gavel, and it's like, hey, we there's there's grace, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's let's talk about the fact that we know we're sinful and that shouldn't become as a huge shock to us. So we can have open, frank conversations about that. Trying to find the balance between either extremists is tough, right? And yeah, I've yeah the bad the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah, go ba- ahead. Ba- yeah, yeah. Ba- balance is the uh, word because we can uh, the 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 impulse, or at least in the beginning, is to react to our past, and mm. if we do react to it, we're going to overshoot uh, the centrality of the gospel, and now we'll be over here on this side, and and now we're just reacting to you know whatever our past was, and you know you'll you'll see it you see that in in biblical counseling all the time, not just talking about reacting to religious systems, but uh, kids that are reacting to their parents, you know, and then mm-hmm. they overreact and they go from conservatism to hedonism and, and, or, or to legalism from hedonism. And, and neither one of those are, are right, but I think balance mm-hmm. is the operative word. So I, I pinned this over here. All right. So you're MDiv and, and then uh, you meet with Tim uh, and now we're doing a video. All right. So, but the question is uh, prior to that, you went to, uh, seminary to get an MDiv to be what, not to be a documentarian. Yes, sir. Um, I went. You know, so part of part of my story is that I, you know, I worked in advertising and and did a lot of film, and so I had a lot of pride wrapped up in that, um, which is part of the reason why I left. And and God God knocked me out of the industry in, in some in a spectacular way for which I'm very grateful. But I, so I had this part of me that part of the way God made me is as a, as creative, as a storyteller. I love communicating through stories, using narrative, um, using film. I, I just, I'm so passionate about that. And I didn't have, that didn't have a home for a while. And so I thought, you know what? I, I, I serving, for me, it became a little bit of a dichotomy. Do I pursue the creative, the arts um, as a career or do I pursue serving like God through what at the time I thought was really the only option, which was, I guess, missionary or pastor. And so I'm like, I'm going to go pastor. I'm so thankful to God that kind of through Tim and through this opportunity opening, a a third way presented itself in the form of building resources. And I think the best resources are story-based for the local church for the growing of holiness. And so I I it's it's interesting we're talking about this kind of over the last 6 months or so both John Michael and I who we both went to seminary really pursuing the pastorate an office a, a role for which I have so much respect. And I think our path is probably going to be more this area 
creating resources for the church. And we know our place. We're resource creators. We're not the people who walk alongside. We're not the local church. We are a parachurch. And, but we want to create things that are helpful, that youth leaders, that, that elders, that people in the congregation can grab a hold of and then start that process of, of loving each other and, and helping and growing in holiness. So <clears throat> what I love is the MDiv is a wonderful degree to get for the kind of work we do because it stops us saying stupid things that like, I'm not going to like, you know, something dumb, like God isn't simple. I don't know why anyone would say God is simple. And you're like, no, take, take a seminary course. You'll know what that word means. That's unpacked in a very thoughtful way. Or saying some dumb things about, you know, the hypostatic union that we figured out at Chalcedon, you know what I mean? And so just getting all these all these in the most humble way, just these basic truths that Christians have been figuring out and talking about for 2000 years. And that helps us, I think, be a bit more well-rounded as we narrow down into the area of, of human sexuality of and, and counseling oriented stuff. So I'm, I love Southern. I'm so grateful that I get the opportunity to, to learn, to grow um, in, in just, just some of these historic Christian faith and hermeneutics and church history and all, all these wonderful areas. I'm, I'm very, very grateful. So, so are you saying that you have already stopped saying stupid things, or is there no. some point in the oh. future where you will cease from saying stupid things? Because I'm I'm north of sixty years okay. old now, and I still say stupid things. So I just want to know when that time comes, so that I can yeah. look forward to look forward to it. Well, I'm I'm. I'm anticipating peaking at about 70. I think 70 is the moment <laughs> divinity probably lands on my shoulders. And and so I, what I'm saying is if I die at 70, then the good Lord will probably finish that work for me. But we'll we'll see. Well, I thought there was just one peak, but now I, I see the Grand Tetons in my <laughs> vision right now that there's multiple peaks. There's the peak of omniscience. And of course, there's the peak, whatever we're talking about now. But what you're... Uh, saying is absolutely uh, essential. And I don't think that this is an answer or a solution for everyone because it just can't happen, mm, but it is mm -hmm. a recommendation. The recommendation is, is that all of us get a sound theological education for whatever mm. it is that we do. Uh, it doesn't have to be pastoring or missionary. And, and, of course, the solution for that is the local church to provide mm -hmm. that educational environment so that we can be as theologically astute as we reasonably can. And for mm -hmm. those who are in a situation like you who have the opportunity to take it to another level to where you can pull aside for a season and get an MDiv that has nothing to do with being a pastor or a missionary, but you have a sound theological or you're building a sound theological foundation. And then that's, as you know, that builds your, your presupposition and your worldview for mm -hmm. whatever you set on top of that. Now, biblical counseling is identical to that, uh, even in a more precise way in the sense that we are applying theology. And, mm -hmm. and so if, if we don't have a sound understanding uh, of God's word, then we're applying nonsense. And so this has to mm -hmm. be our foundation. But I like uh, the I like the direction that you're going, um, building a theological foundation. And then on top of that, a 
career as to whatever direction that may be. Now there's something else that you're, you're implying here as well, is that we make our plans and God orders our steps. And I appreciate the fact that you're holding your plans loosely mm. uh, because I am going to go to seminary and I am going to be that. And James would say that that is arrogant because you don't know what's on tomorrow. And so I appreciate the looseness, the appropriate looseness in which you hold your plans. And so directionally, you're moving in a very specific mm. direction, but you're leaving room to zig and zag in there as you're trying to discern God's will. Now, there's a tagline called, uh, we create resources and spark conversation for transformation. Now, I don't want you mm. to take that tagline because that is ours, but what you are defining is, uh, you, you just laid out our mission. We create resources mm -hmm. to spark conversation for transformation. And so as I'm stacking up what you are saying here, I'm building a theological foundation, and, and now we want to be a resource creator, influencer, whatever the popular word is, uh, so that you can supplement, not become the local church, not trying to uh, marginalize the local church, but you have a high view of the local church, and you want mm -hmm. to supplement through uh, particular kinds of resources. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with Dennis Prager, correct? Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, could they be five minute videos in your future? It's possible. Um, it's, it's certainly possible for us. There's, there's a degree in which, so, so our, our mission statement, um, our, our mission and vision statements have been kind of the pillars with which we kind of see. You see have them already. You have yes, that sir. already. Okay. Yep. So our Into the Light Ministries is a studio ministry that partners with Christian authors and teachers to produce video resources, podcasts, documentaries on biblical sexuality. And our vision is to see a generation of Christians who delight in God's good design for sexuality and are equipped to face pornography, gender confusion, and other forms of sexual brokenness. So those are those are a bit wordy. Um, because there's different ways you can can construct a mission and vision. They're not they're not very hooky. They do do is very clearly paint what we're all about as a ministry. And you, you need that clarification for people who are interested in donating and, and things like that. So the documentary filled a very important role, uh, at least for what the types of resources we're creating, as a way to a church can open up the conversation. So you can have a uh, air quotes, movie night, and you can invite people who might really, they'll never read Finally Free. They'll never read Garrett Kell's book, Pure in Heart, but they might come to a movie night and they might start getting those 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 categories of change, those those fundamentals of what it looks like to break an addiction to porn. Um, and, and the documentary is story driven. So it, it's something that's, it's compelling, at least we hope so. And, and so, you know, that did that. Short form content, five minute videos, it might make sense um, for like social media stuff. So what we're doing right now, I have an editor on our team who is taking the 15 hours worth of interviews we've done over the last year. Uh, we do, we, we're releasing something. <clears throat> we're releasing in a, a, pod, or a bonus episode with David Platt in a few, uh, in a few weeks. And so, so all these content, we're putting that on our social media, which we think is helpful. But the thing with five minute videos is they're super useful 
but they are very much kind of what we were talking about before, like it's top of the marketing funnel. Right. Whereas we want to create things that are really easy for people in the local church to grab a hold of and start using in the context of community. And so I'm we're much more excited. So we can see that um, some like 10,000 people have viewed the documentary in the last six months. And I'm thrilled about that. Thrilled. But I'm more excited about the 250 churches that have signed up to and are committed to using it in like small groups or at a church showing, because that's going to spark the impetus for people to have those conversations afterwards, to get an accountability partner, things like that. So for me, resources that are usable in a church, a higher priority than content to be viewed. But you know, in the various meetings Jermichael and I have over the next few years, we might find a place for for content. And there's some areas in which which we already do, which we can talk about with the parenting series if you're interested. But yeah, does that kind of answer your answer your question a little bit? Yeah, yeah it does. And I would think <clears throat> five minute videos uh, uh, or even smaller 30 second, you know, mm. Instagram reels. Uh, I think of more of them along the lines of breadcrumbs uh, that mm -hmm. lead to. And so it's a top of mind uh, marketing, uh, I, I view it more like a snow globe that is constantly shaken and because you never know when someone's going to be struggling with pornography or yeah. someone just yeah. came out or someone had a conversation with someone. And so if you're, if you're constantly floating through cyberspace, uh, with these short breadcrumbs, when, when this person who, who wants help, and you're floating through cyberspace and they see a 30 second, then that 30 second will drive them, you know, down mm. to the greater resource. And so what we try to do from a marketing perspective is just keep the snow globe going all the time, never knowing mm -hmm. when God is going to grant repentance to someone. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, I know, I, I know someone who, you know, does this and they have great resources because they saw this short clip. So it's really more about breadcrumbs than informational mm -hmm. or educational, just to lead them to where you want to go. That's coming down, of course, to the marketing funnel. But just uh, curious, I know PragerU has done a lot with, and, and they go from short to long form content. Um, and they've done an excellent job. That's why it, it came to mind. So uh, the thing that uh, interests me is that you've gone from a, if I could say, generic MDiv uh, career uh, to I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go to some very specific uh, as far as sexuality is is concerned. Yes, sir. Uh, now, is 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 that more? Is that time dated uh, in the sense that this is where we are uh, as far as our culture is concerned, mm. uh, sexuality, transgenderism, uh, 2015, <clears throat> gay marriage being legalized, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera? Question one. Question two, not that we can predict the future um, with any kind of definitiveness, but do you see it evolving uh, mm -hmm. into something else. And that may not be a fair question at this point because, and, the, and one of the reasons I asked the question is because in, in 08, when we started this ministry, I was going to do biblical counseling until, uh, you know, I was 85 and not in my right mind anymore. Uh, but in 2015, I stopped counseling altogether 
because it, it evolved into a leadership training mm. development ministry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is something that happened that we did not anticipate. And so you're very specific. It could be, I'm asking, is it culturally generated because this is where we are? I mean, it's the epicenter of everything outside of politics, of course. Uh, but do you do you have any insight? And again, unfair question, but do you have any insight as to how it could maybe evolve into something else? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, in, in, in my, my answer is sort of, I, I put my marketing hat on a little bit because part of, I think part of running a, a ministry business organization, you have to know what you're about and why. And if right. you're going to pivot, you need to pivot with pivot intentionally, but hard so that you know where you're going. So John Michael and I, and I, I feel like every ministry kind of wants to believe that the thing they're passionate about is like the biggest issue. And so, and I don't mean to say it this <laughs> right, way, you know, I, right. we could pick, we could pick a handful of different right. issues that are super important. Pro-life. Pro, exactly. Pro-life right. issues. I mean, some of the human trafficking stuff that's going right. on right now is like, I mean, there are, there are boys and girls who are living in hell at the moment and so people who are doing people who are doing also doing legislative work with with human trafficking and pornography i love what they're doing but at the end of the day i i believe that every pastor is going to get up on sunday and they're going to look over at a congregation and they know without a shadow of a doubt that at least 60 to 80 to 90 percent of them watched porn that week and they're dying their conscience is torturing them they feel hurt and so it's you know in, in in this is kind of our the way we've been thinking about it right is genesis 2 god gives this beautiful gift of sexuality to adam and eve and and on that unpack that becomes a metaphor for god's covenant relationship with his people like marriage becomes a metaphor of like you know paul talks about this cr- incredible mystery of christ in the church like the marriage supper of the lamb it's it's this rich beautiful blessing and ever since Genesis three, the devil's been twisting that. And so this is not new, right? We've had we've had problems with sexuality forever, and that's that's just one of the many things Christians have struggled with. But the devil has never had the tools that he's had up until right now. Fifty years ago, even fifty years ago, the worst you had really was Playboy, and that's sin, that's lust, that all the right categories. But in twenty twenty three, an eight year old can pull out their phone and in twenty seconds find more sinful naked bodies, sinful illicit sexuality than any human being could have ever seen in an entire lifetime dedicated to right. sinfulness. Right. And so what what and then you have a multi-billion dollar, extremely sophisticated porn industry that is tracking down people to to recruit as customers. And you walk into Walmart and the magazines on the aisles that your children are going to look at are screaming an agenda that is contrary to God's plan in every way possible. And so for me, that says that right now, pornography technically, but also more broadly, the issues of identity, sexuality, they are the burning house fire in the church that I think is at the root of so many people's just struggles. And the the level of addictiveness, the level of like a pervasiveness of this issue for me says that in in this place that we are in church history, I think it's the one of the biggest issues. And in order, and I think the church is indispensable and utterly essential to fighting this battle but you know the young family in the pew right now 
They have to be an addictions expert, a counselor, a technologist. And that that's that's so much weight to put on a young family. Like they don't have the time to read the nine books, five, listen to the five podcasts, read the 12 articles. And so that right there is kind of the heartbeat of Into the Light is we want to create resources for the faithful average family that gives a comprehensive understanding of how to tackle these issues. The faithful average person, the documentary is just, it's for the normal Christian. It's for the Christian who, again, probably is a bit busy, might not be able to read Finally Free or, or any of these other books, but they could watch a film. They could get those resources. So I don't know, hopefully that answers. And so, well, I guess then as when it comes to personally, when Jamichael and I, you know, Every single guy I meet, most of the girls I meet struggled with pornography in some capacity. It was devastating for them. It probably is still devastating for them. I'm, I have run an accountability group on a seminary campus and it's full of guys. Um, and, and some girls started one as well. And there's a bunch of girls in there. When we, when we started taking this on, Jamichael and I looked at each other, and this is the omniscience thing. We we hit the omniscience curve, and we dropped rock bottom. And we we knew, like, if we're going to do something in here, we better grab our hands on every single resource we possibly can in the area of pornography, sexuality, um, and uh, addictions, mo- addictions models, counseling models. And so, you know, we've we've spent the last two years reading furiously on this topic, and because we, you know, if we're going to be so bold as to say we're going to build a resource that we hope is helpful we better have read almost everything that people can throw their you know could could think of in order to do the best we can um like before god and so uh yeah that means i've spent more time reading on parenting and sexuality this is more thinking of our upcoming resources than i ever thought i would um i think we've read probably everything that paul david tripp's ever written um, and, and, and yeah, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to learn well, um, because we need to, and, and that's, you know, the place kind of comes in with the MDiv too. N- not everyone gets that opportunity. Most of church history never had the, the opportunity to cut out four years of your life just to learn. I, that's luxury. And I'm, I'm so thrilled about that. Yeah, that that that's pretty much stopped after the colonial age uh, yeah. when the Industrial Revolution came in. Uh, things just became faster and more splintered. All right, mm-hmm. so I challenged you to make short videos. You pretty much said no. Now I'm going to re-challenge you, and I'm going to ask you to go back to this part of the video and cut it out because you just – and use it. Uh, you just gave me a solid – uh, three or four minutes uh, on why this is so important. Mm. And uh, you're going to want to cut this out. This is why we do what we do, because a parent can't be a technologist. A parent can't mm-hmm. be a counselor. A parent can't be an addiction person. We need these resources. I mean, you were very passionate. You were very emphatic. It was four minutes of solid content as to why people need to not just watch Into the Light, but they need to take advantage of your resources. And so now I'm re-challenging you to cut that out and use that in some way, form, or fashion, because that will give them the soundbite that will lead them to your website. Okay, th- mm. okay, that's uh, I- I'm done. I'm done with my confrontation moment. I here. appreciate you, sir. 
All right. Now, also, uh, this is the thing that I was and you just teased that you just touched on this a little bit. And this is why I was thinking about specificity with sexuality. Uh, as you said, you've read virtually everything that Paul uh, Tripp has written uh, and, and you're putting that in the context of parenting. And that's where I do not see I do not see you staying exclusively in a sexuality lane uh, because once you get there, uh, that's going to fan out into mm. technology. It's going to fan out into parenting. It's going to fan out into the husband and wife marriage that sets mm -hmm. the stage for sexuality uh, and not, not just the mechanics as far as giving your child a, an iPhone or not, mm. uh, but they are Christ and the church and they communicate a sexuality message. And so it's going to fan out in, in, mm -hmm. in many mm -hmm. different ways. It, Cause it, you know, this is what sometimes, you know, a, a young person will come to me and say, Hey, I want to, uh, I, I just want to counsel teens for the rest of my life. I said, well, if you're good at it, you're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. because you're not going to keep it in that lane because it's going to fan out because there's so much connectedness to all of our problems mm. that now I, but you do need definitiveness because you need to know who you are and what you're about so that you can mm. say yes to this and no to that, or you'll be doing everything and nothing at the same time. However, with that said, there will be some fanning out. And you mentioned uh, parenting resources. So what is, what is that? What do you have in mind? Yeah. So um, basically, this kind of came as a result of <clears throat> as a result of the documentary. I mean, and I hope people watch the documentary and find it helpful um, because it's a resource, you know, for the struggler. Maybe but we should we... spend some time talking about it since this was the purpose of. The... <laughs> well, of the... how about this? I'll... Well, while we're on this, I'll, I'll give you the quick pitch for for parenting resources, and then <laughs> well, we I do want to hear about, about that. that. Yeah. So. In the process of the documentary, we had so many parents reach out to us and say, hey, this is so cool, but what about us, right? And that's kind of where right, I got that that, right. that spiel of like right. the parent. I My heart goes out to all these parents. Like no one ever told them when they signed up to, to have some kids, they would have to like learn how to like configure VPNs on their phones for crying right. out loud. Like this is, and, and people like Covenant Eyes are killing it doing the best they can to educate and 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 provide resources. But it's complex. And every parent I've talked to has been like, yeah, my kids are smarter than I am. So Jamichael and I are weird because we sit right in the middle. I'm half of me is the parent and half of me is the kid that spent a lot of time trying to get around Covenant Eyes. And so basically we're creating a video series for parents. And this we're about a year away from finishing this. And it's roughly, it's about four parts. The first part is, okay, what is God's good design for sexuality? Let's establish a solid foundation. Part two is, okay, what about you, the parent? How did you learn about sexuality? What was your parents' marriage like? Were you ever addicted to porn? Have you gone through any trauma or abuse? So many parents we talk to, they've been through, they've made mistakes themselves. They've been through struggles. They've been through abuse. And so we want to, whoever we film for that section, we want to get a real like counseling oriented grandfatherly type figure to say, hey, no matter what you've done or what you've been through, you can and should be there and, and to, to teach and guide your children in this area. The devil's doing everything he can to teach. So you have to be there too. And, and you can do it. You can do it. Part three is, all right, now that we've kind of spent some time talking about you, the parent, now let's 
boots on the ground. What are some age appropriate categories for children? What what do you say to a five year old, six year old, eight year old? How do we get a like? How do we go away with the stupid idea of the talk and reframe things to be long conversations that span over you know in appropriate categories over the life of your time with with your child? Um, just you know, boots on the ground, helpful stuff for parents from there. And then part four is okay. Now, once we've in the context of relationship, what does it look like to shut down your home? How do we talk about access issues? What's a good theology of technology? And then part 4B is we're going to shoot a series of laser sharp tutorials that walk through the top 30 or so devices in the North American home and how to shut them down. So you just got a PlayStation 5. Here's how you navigate to the parental controls. Here's how you put the passcodes in. Maybe there's some workarounds. We give this a rating, a four out of five rating for safety. A better device might be XYZ. You just got an iPhone 15. You just got a Samsung smart TV. You just got all these devices. So our goal is to create a tutorial set that are super precise, super quick, so that a Christian family can shut down their home in a matter of hours of all the devices they could have. And we then we want to situate that resource in the context of, okay, now that you've done that though, make sure you go back or forward and and look at like, what does it mean to have these conversations, these relationships? So we want to create a resource that is not going to be exhaustive, but comprehensive that walks through part A, like from A to B. So that hopefully a young family can, you know, husband and wife can, or really older family, we want to as many as applicable as we can, but can sit down, watch through this episode series and kind of at the end of it go, all right, high five. I think we can start the process of getting our hand, our heads around this issue. So that's basically what Jermichael and I have been like constantly thinking about writing on, writing, like, you know, scripting out, reading resources about trying to start to collect the different people we want to film with. And we're going to spend the next year working on that. Excellent. And I'm good to see that you're doing short videos. Uh, that will be mm. quite helpful. That will create those breadcrumbs that will get yes, down sir. to the uh, larger content. All right. So this interview is about Into the Light documentary, just in case uh, anyone was wondering. This is Jacob Valk, him and John Michael, or as he says, John Michael. I'm trying to say it as fast as you do, but I'm a Southern boy. I just can't get up to your speed. Uh, but they've created a a documentary, and it, what what is it? It's, it's um uh, eighty what ninety what uh how many minutes is it? Uh, it's an hour and twenty three minutes. So that would 23 be minutes, 83, yeah. 83 yeah, eighty three minutes. Yeah, eighty three minutes. I guess. Yes, yeah, I was thinking. And so, uh, and it's at their uh, website. Your web address is mm -hmm. uh, into the light com. Okay. And this, uh, it, it now it, it's a hybrid. Uh, it is instructional, informational, but then interwoven throughout the documentary is a story of a couple that, uh, 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 a male, female who struggled with uh, pornography and they tell their stories as it's woven throughout mm -hmm. uh, the entire documentary. And so, um, then I th all this, what we've been sharing has been foundational and I, I, I trust helpful because uh, I wanted people to hear your heart, you know, your story, mm. as we talked about earlier, and then your passion that you have communicated quite clearly uh, and how it led to this documentary. And now out of that, you have this this vision for the future, which 
uh, is absolutely uh, incredible. We are in an age that we we cannot put back into the uh, into the to- toothpaste tube. I mean, mm. it's out. We're not going mm. back. We're dependent upon technology for good ways and for bad. But but we will always live in a technological future. And so as Christians, we need to step into that future and understand the redemptive use of technology where we can flip it on its head and use it in redemptive purposes, which is exactly what you and John Michael are doing. And so what is the, are you happy with the documentary? Oh yeah. Surprisingly happy because you talk to any creatives, any, any content content creators, whatever that means. Um, you always get like, you know, you always have things that you wish you could have done differently. And, and uh, there are, there are some things in there that I'm like, oof, I wish we could have changed that <laughs> on the whole, on the whole. The, art, it, the artist is never satisfied with yeah, his work. Absolutely. Um, but on the whole, it, it does what it's supposed to do. And I'm so grateful for that. And it does it because we got some incredible speakers in there. I mean, you know, Jeremy Pierre, Ellen Dicast, Jenny Solomon, Heath Lambert, Deepak Raju, Garrett Kell. Like, I love every one of those people are so dear to me. And they, they, um, they had just had so much words of wisdom in the film. And so, yeah, um, and, and it, you know, one of the things too is that it's, it's pacing actually works, which we weren't sure about. I mean, there's, there's an hour of talking heads in, uh, in the documentary, and that's a lot. But it, it's it seems to be digestible, and I'm very also very thankful that it, it managed to be that. So on the whole, I'm 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 quite I'm quite grateful. And the the uh, reception has been great. Um, yeah, we I mean we no one knew who we were a year ago, uh, which is good. Um, but we have yeah we have over we're probably getting close to 300 churches across the world i got we got a message just the other day from a guy in germany who's watching it there's a few churches in uh india different parts of india that are watching it uh a guy in abu dhabi a pastor is using it in leadership curriculum we've gotten messages from people who are using it in couples counseling uh i think darby strickland in ccf is using it in part of her course material which is really cool um yeah, we, I mean, we had once one story, a guy, you know, a guy did a showing of the documentary in his local church, which is one of the ways that is really fun when we hear people do that. And so, and he did a showing, he just small group of guys came out, about 12 guys. Then they broke off into accountability or not accountability in like prayer groups afterwards. And one of these young guys just broke down crying. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm hooked on porn. I need help. And and so, you know, he got an accountability partner, kind of went off, started, you know, walking alongside. Come to find out later that this young guy came to this documentary showing specifically intending not to tell anybody. That was his intention. And the Holy Spirit just worked in him and changed. And like, that's, you know, that's a guy who was just caught in sin and at least now seems to be in a trajectory outwards. And that's just, I'm praise God for that. I'm really, those things are really exciting to hear. and um. And yeah, and and I'm also very grateful that we got the opportunity to build a resource that was talking to men and women, right. because one of the one of the biggest struggles that we have with this topic in general is we're getting better, but the churches still, by and large, kind of relegate it to a, a men's issue, and that's a really, really damaging thing to say to to our sisters in the church, because when if you if you say it's a man's issue, then what women typically hear is 
wow, how bad am I that I'm not, I'm not even struggling with a woman's sin. I'm struggling with like a man's sin. Like I must be some broken, weird version. And we get, we get messages, especially in the beginning part of the filming process from, from girls on Instagram who would just tell us their testimony. And they would tell us one of the things they would say pretty frequently is like, I don't know. I can't tell anybody in my church about this. And which was, those were interesting messages to get, but we just were really committed. And I'm grateful for Ellen and Jenny that they were like two women just kind of up there with biblical counselors, giving their, um, their advice and their thoughts and wisdom just, you know, for, for men and women who struggle with this. It's Into the Light documentary. This is Jacob Vonk with his partner, John Michael Bout. They have put it together. Uh, you can find it on their website. Uh, Jacob, we'll wrap up here, but do you have mm. uh, anything that uh, give us a, a, a closing uh, thought and again, uh, give us the website address and you can go to episode 479. That's where you will find this mm-hmm. interview at lifeovercoffee.com. There will be links in the show notes that will help navigate you to where you want to go. Uh, and also Covenant Eyes and other places mm-hmm. that um, will be very helpful because this issue will never go away. Sadly, but optimistically and redemptively, there are resources out there to help. And so if you are struggling, I would encourage you, uh, we'll have a link to Jacob where you can get uh, to his website. You can contact him and John Michael. If you want to help them financially uh, if mm-hmm. or any other way, just have that conversation with Jacob and John Michael. And again, you can go through that with episode 479. Uh, Jacob, wrap us up here 30 seconds rick i'm just really i'm really grateful that you're willing to have these kind of conversations um and because it's 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 people like you who are, just, who are willing to talk about it willing to continue to move that conversation forward that just uh that just makes me really excited to be a part of of ministries like this so yeah that's how i'll end it thank you to you and and if if people are listening and this is something that especially maybe i'll say this if god's given you freedom from this um, if you're walking in integrity in this particular issue, uh, David Platt says it really well. This freedom is not meant to stay with you. It's meant to go through you. And so you could be a part, and maybe that's with our resources, in in helping your church. Because I guarantee you, if you're part of a body of Christ, there are men and women, boys and girls, who are dying because of this issue. And if God's given you freedom, or you're in the midst of finding freedom, you, you can be a part of helping that. And a, a way to start could be just seeing if your church would show the documentary that can open up a lot of conversations. So I'll put that out there. And uh, again, thank you so much for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. God bless. Thank you all. Lifeovercoffee.com. Thank you for listening and or watching. By the way, one final thing, if you uh, watch the documentary and have a testimony, please send that to Jacob and John Michael, and that would really encourage them. It's good to hear uh, what God is doing in our lives, and I know that it would encourage them. Thank you all. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.